0: I really enjoyed my talk with Monique Helm. Monique is a multifaceted entrepreneur. After an Ivy League law school education placed her in a leading firm, she found herself having done all the right things but still truly unhappy. And after some real challenges, and it's hard not to be motivated once you hear her story of overcoming them, she pivoted to entrepreneurship in real estate. And as the saying goes, she never looked back. She's currently an investor with a 14-year track record as well as a syndicator and developer in numerous ventures such as multifamily, mobile home parks, RV parks, flipping commercial, uh, vacation rentals, syndication, and ground-up development. Together with her husband, Peter Holm, and her investors, Monique owns over 1,300 rental units across six days. Truly an amazing accomplishment. Monique is also an educator and advocate for women to create real wealth through real estate. She founded Real Estate Investor Goddesses with just that vision. And she's a best-selling author of the Real Estate Investor Goddesses Handbook and Wealth for Women, Conversations with the Team that Creates the Dream. When she's not doing all of that, she's a mentor, contributing author of Huffington Post, and keynote speaker. A truly inspiring story, and Monique makes it all look easy. I have with me today Monique Holm, and she's got a really cool and interesting entrepreneurial story. Um, she is the founder of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, and I'm going to let her explain her own story. But I think that if there's going to be a podcast where you get motivated and excited, I think it's going to be this one because um, she adds a lot. She's had a change in her career and she's just really mastered her field of real estate, uh, as well as reaching out and helping others to achieve those same dreams. So, with that, welcome Monique.
1: Thanks, Cameron. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. So. I just want to just step back for just a moment. Um, I know you were an attorney. You were a recovering attorney. Question <laughs> is, have you fully recovered yet?
1: <laughs> well, it's been about 10 years since I practiced. So I think, I think I've recovered. My husband likes to say, well, she practiced for 10 years and then she got perfect, so she can stop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ten whole years.
1: I did. I practiced for 10 years.
0: So Really incredibly successful background as an attorney. I mean, you you went to Ivy League. My understanding is you went to uh, Columbia for law. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it okay to mention your law firm?
1: Sure. We have- I I I practiced <laughs> at Morrison and Forster and then Gibson Dunn and Crutcher in Los Angeles. So a couple big California firms. California, they're international firms, but based in California. Yes,
0: affectionately yeah. known as MoFo. Right.
1: Yes, MoFo. <laughs>
0: So, there you are as an attorney. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How in the world does it occur to you? I mean, because you've got really an ideal background. You know, you're going to make it. You're going to be successful. Partnership. You get all that stuff laid out ahead of you. And here you get to this detour in the road, and you just take this big (laughs) path change, which has totally changed your life. So I'm really interested in knowing what motivated you. And what made you think you could do it?
1: Well, so so really why (laughs) I left law um, and and I did, I had invested a lot of money and time and my identity to be a lawyer, but I was so unhappy and I didn't realize how unhappy I was until one Tuesday morning when I found myself in an emergency room with, um, and the, when the doctor told me that my appendix had ruptured and that I would have at least nine days, oh, no, at least I would be in the hospital for several days, but at least uh, 30 days at home to recover, I ended up being in the hospital for nine days. Um, my first thought when he told me that was, oh, thank God, I don't have to go to work for at least 30 days. And my next thought was, oh, wait, that's not good. Right. Like I knew I was unhappy. I didn't realize how miserable I was until that moment.
0: Right. right. When
1: being in a hospital bed with a life-threatening, excruciating illness is preferable to being in the office. You know, that, that you shouldn't be there. Wow. But I had, you know, this was the path that I was at. You're like, you're like me, right? You're, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a first-generation American. We were talking about this. Right. Right. You weren't born here, but you came, you know, you've come from a different country. probably you know my parents taught me that success was to be a doctor lawyer professor engineer you know you go to college you go to to grad school professional school you become one of those four things you get a good job that's success that's what i was taught
0: so so you did what you were supposed to and by I the way is exactly it fair is it be. fair to say that it was an epiphany for you being in the hospital you're like hold it on was. a second
1: there was. I should feel I bad, but I'm like happy because right. this is better
0: than law. What was that? I'd
1: done. I'd done everything right. Right. I'd done. Uh, you've done was, everything like, right. That I was supposed to do. I was always a. I was a good, dutiful. Like I, I did. I, I studied. I did my homework. I went. You know, I went <laughs> to good school. You made
0: your parents proud. You I went made to great proud. schools. Got a great job at a great firm.
1: Big firm, so, six <laughs> figures. I should have been thrilled. Right. I did everything exactly. I would lead to success and happiness except I was so miserable. And not only that, they don't know what causes appendicitis, but they think it's stress and I actually I know for sure that it was stress from that job. Wow. I was the job was literally killing me. So for me to leave was not cuz some people was like, "Wow, it's really brave that you left." I think it's it's hard to leave some a situation when on a scale of 1 to 10 it's like a five. Fives are really hard. With you're, you're stuck. You're like you know it should be better, but it could be worse. It's really hard to get unstuck from a five. But when you're like at yes. a two or a one, like was, <laughs> it's not <laughs> hard to leave because you're like, what is like? Uh, I will die or I will do something else.
0: Yeah, I mean that's so, well put. Yeah. I mean, there's that whole pain pleasure going on, right, Monique?
1: Yeah.
0: And it's like at five, you're like, they're about equal, but three, okay, the pain seems really bad.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, mean, I mean, it was unbearable. And what
0: about leaving so. though? I mean, w- if you if you did leave, weren't you worried? What am I going to do now? I mean, if I get out uh, of yeah. this field, I've done everything right.
1: I've done everything right. And I had law school loans that I had to pay. Yes. A lifestyle to which I've become accustomed. <laughs> People um,
0: understand, believe me.
1: Yeah. So, and I can't say I left like that. I actually went from one job, I went to another big firm. Then I went to a small firm. I, try, I tried different things to make it work. And I, you know, I was not quite as miserable as I was at that first job, but I, I was never happy. And I mean, max I got to, was like a five, right? Like, you know, right,
0: right, right. And
1: that was a max. And actually at the end, I was around a five, but like I said, a five is a hard place to leave. (laughs) Um, Even though, you know, you shouldn't live at a five, right. You really shouldn't be living at a nine, 10, but it's, it's hard to leave a five. So I was a five and um, I get a lot of flashbacks from this uh, like what's happening in the economy right now gives me a lot of flashbacks to that time. So it was, I was, I'd gotten married and I was pregnant and I was in the small firm and um, my boss called me into his office. I was expecting a bonus. I'd been working really hard instead of getting a bonus, I got fired. Oh my. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was five and a half months pregnant mm. and my belly had just popped out. I really looked pregnant, <laughs> I thought, I'm not going to be able to find a job. And you right showed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it literally was like the week I popped out. I was like, why of all the, you know, anyway, so I thought I'm not going to get a job right now. It's going to be very hard. So instead of looking, I'm going to wait until after I give birth and then I have a short maternity period, then I will look for a job. My daughter was born in late August of 2008. Within a month, the economy was in free fall. Um, you know, the markets had crashed. I, you know, and then my husband's he was a graphic designer working for himself. His business income dropped ninety percent. It was a tough wow. time. Um and so it was that kick out of law that was hard at the time, but the best thing that ever happened to me because um I probably would have stayed at that mediocre five for forever because I was the main breadwinner. I was, you know, earning more money. Now we had an extra mouth to feed and I probably yes. would have stayed there stuck.
0: I um, mean, honestly, it's hard to say this. Uh, you know, it's hard to hear it without like feeling that pain. I mean, we always want to be positive and talk about, you know, entrepreneurial ventures and things like that. But at the same time, you want to be, you want to live in the real world and, you know, you're experiencing some real pain and you don't know, even if you pick another career, whether it's going to work or not. And here you are pregnant, you lost your job, or your husband's income yeah. has come gone down. We're in the great yeah. recession. And boy, I sure remember those times well, just companies were just falling over. Yep. Um, not that different than, you know, today's COVID-19 although it just felt like it had a longer sense to it because it was a financial recession, you know? Here, I guess we're kind of hopeful. Okay, let's just kind of, you know, cure this disease and move on. But people are feeling real pain I, now, you know?
1: I think this and here you even are. worse. Yeah. So, so what happened? There I was. <laughs> and, you know, if it hadn't been for that time, I probably would have found another law job, mm-hmm. with another law firm, working, you know, living life at a very mediocre place. Uh, but because it was very hard to do that I thought what else can I do Then now uh, this this path that I've been on for so long I invested a lot into now I could do something different so I I, I looked into entrepreneurship and um, building my own business at the on the side and I wasn't it' was interesting because real estate we had acquired some real estate I ended up. Um, Becoming an accidental landlord in two thousand five. I was looking for so right bef- uh, before I met my husband about a year mm-hmm. before. I went to go buy a house because that's all I'd ever learned about real estate. Um, my parents never taught me to uh, really invest. I was always taught trade your time for money, um, but I with the real estate it's like buy your house. So as I've been working for a while. I was like okay, I guess I'll go buy a house, but this is Los Angeles. Um, and even fifteen years ago, a semi decent house in a semi decent neighborhood was upwards of six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars. So I couldn't Very afford. Very expensive. It. Yes. Very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not talking about a palace in Bel Air or Beverly <laughs> Hills. I'm just talking, talking about, about
0: just a house in house
1: in an area where you're not going to have drive-bys, <laughs> like that. Was it? So I I couldn't afford anything by myself, even though I was, you know, working in a big law firm and had a Decent salary. Uh, A friend of mine who was in a similar boat suggested that we buy a duplex together, two unit. He would live on one side, I would live on the other side. That was the initial plan. And since I could afford half a house, I was like, yes, let's do that. Uh, But instead of finding one property with two equal sides, we ended up finding this beautiful old craftsman house that had a larger um, two bedroom, kind of like a three bedroom with a basement. it downstairs it was a two-bedroom unit upstairs there was a back house that had been converted into a one-bedroom and we bought that and uh instead of each taking a unit we each took a bedroom in a large unit and we rented out the upstairs we rent out the back house we even rented out our basement and we were house hacking before i knew that was a thing i was like That's <laughs> awesome these people are paying our rents this is great not thinking that this was a way to replace income um or to right. like as a career or business opportunity i literally i really just thought of it as free living um expenses and you know plus a little bit and then when i met my husband he had a duplex and we got a single family home that we were renting. when did
0: you meet your husband was that before or
1: i was 2006 I okay uh and when the economy crashed it was actually our real estate that kept roof over our heads and helped us to survive. So mm. at, at one point, so on one hand, I, I started coaching, you know, where we uh, I was telling you that I had a business for a while where I was helping. I, I stopped becoming, a, a. I stopped practicing law and I went into coaching and I ended up getting hired by all these lawyers that wanted to be non-lawyers like me.
0: Oh, so you were like doing Lawyer transition like, training into yeah,
1: business. <laughs> I, was like a, I was like a lawyer transition coach, um, and um, and but on the on the side, which ended up was actually making more of our income. We ended up selling one of our properties, and we started to we took the proceeds and we started to flip. We were buying and selling houses when they were on sale, uh, you know, in the like two thousand ten to two thousand fifteen era, mm-hmm. and. Um and then we got just more and more into real estate. And I was like, I love this. This is fun. <laughs> we get to it's you know, make a property beautiful. And then around 2015 it stopped being as on sale and it was a lot more competitive. And uh, Wait, well, let me take harder. you back
0: for just a second, Monique. Mm-hmm. You were talking yeah. about how in 2010 you started getting in. How were you coming up with the investment dollars to to add new um, you know, yeah. New uh, real estate is your portfolio. What was your strategy?
1: We sold one of our duplexes.
0: I see. So, so we, the duplex that you had, had had you know made some money, and so you were looking to sell it and and expand.
1: Yeah, we sold it, and then even we during
0: were, the Great Recession. Wow,
1: we did. It was still. I mean, <laughs> it 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 had my husband had bought it in the in the nineties, so it was it had, it
0: had
1: gained a lot of value. Right. Um. So there was there was a lot of equity in it. Uh, so we were able to take that and and use it to buy and um, rehab properties. So we were we were doing. That. Ah, so
0: now you were doing rehabs.
1: We were How did you houses. think to do
0: rehabs? Who who taught you that, or did you just were you self taught?
1: <laughs> we were self taught. We were so silly. We I mean I, now I look back. I'm like, make it was. Thank God. Um, it was just the, the, the economy was swinging up. So it helped right. us. <laughs> it helped us. Just another thing to
0: add to all your, your, uh, skill set. The- <laughs> <right? laughs>
1: <laughs> we just had seen those shows on TV. It was like those oh, yeah. shows. And I thought that looks fun. <laughs> we could do that. we remodeled out like our own homes. home. <laughs> yeah, like, why not? <laughs> The first, you know, exactly.
0: They properties. can do it on Better Homes and Gardens. Why don't Why don't we do yeah, it? Yeah, right. like
1: flip or flop. I'm sure I'm smarter than those people. So let's do it. All right. So, or at least I'm
0: like, there you go. Self confidence, which is really important, right?
1: Yeah. Have you so always the, had
0: that self confidence, Monique? To think that uh, anything that you try, you can do?
1: No, I didn't. Um, and and I did, you know. And I still, I still took the time to learn well. We got a couple books, and you're studying, and um, mm-hmm.
0: so you I, studied it.
1: I probably would have gotten mentors, but I I studied and I learned, and we were, you know, so we we did it, and I think we were lucky also with the timing because, like I said, we started when houses were on sale. It was mm-hmm. Like the houses had gone down in value, but were quickly rising back up, so we were buying at the right price and. The the wave was like bringing, carrying us, carrying us too. So I'm sure so, we made plenty of mistakes, but because yeah, of the, the what was happening in the economy, yes, uh, it was easy to to make money and be successful.
0: So and so that, Monique, uh, what I, my question is: At what point did you switch to doing that full time? It sounds like you were doing business coaching and you had this real estate, which was some passive income, and at some point you say. Okay, I'm gonna do some rehabs. I'm gonna, you know, this is making good money. Let's, you know, let's get in. At what point did you make that, let's say, call it an entrepreneurial kind of a switch, you know, where you left it behind?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So when there were, there are a couple of things I did. Um, I have, I've had a variety of different ventures. I had an app company for a while that I did with my brother. It was called Checklist Parent. And it was, uh, so we had, we had an app. But when I, when, the current business, um, I got into that in 2016. Well, I have a couple businesses that I do. So on the one hand, we're investors; we, we bring groups of investors together to purchase properties. On the other side, I'm teaching women how to invest in real estate. Um, so, I like up until 2015, we were flipping in LA, and um, and that then they got the houses started. Getting more expensive, more competitive. It was hard to find things that made deals that made sense. And then flipping was very a very active job, and we wanted to just buy and hold and build a portfolio and get some cash flow. But LA does not. It's very hard to cash flow there,
0: um,
1: and because it's so expensive and just <laughs> like it's, it's expensive
0: hard. to begin with, so it's really hard to get those kinds of cash flows.
1: Yeah, and it's just it's hard. It's it's not a, a great our return on investment. And at that time I was, I didn't know what to do, but I ended up meeting a a man who would become my mentor through a mutual friend. And, um, in a a 10 minute conversation, he changed everything. And for, for me is why I do what I do now. So the first thing he told me, because I was telling him how frustrated I was with investing in, um, LA, he said, you know, LA is a tough market. I always say live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense. Wow. I hadn't thought of that. I always thought you needed to invest where you lived, where you could uh, drive to your property, touch it, self-manage it. Wait, what what did
0: he say? What did he say again? Live
1: where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense.
0: Ah. And this man, it wasn't Tony Robbins, right?
1: It was not Tony Robbins. It was a (laughs) man named Robert Helms, who's a host of the Real Estate Guys radio um, All right, we're and, both Tony
0: uh, Robbins fans. That's why I mentioned I, that.
1: I, I am. Tony Robbins has taught me other things, but not, <laughs> not tried much tried about it. real estate. <laughs> um, yeah, I've learned I learned a lot of other things. About, by so Tony. this Mr. Helms,
0: he he had this discussion with you and he became your mentor.
1: Yeah, and then he also uh, taught me, that I was looking for this fourplex. He said, you can buy this fourplex by yourself, but you're limited to your own capital and credit. He said, alternatively, you can bring a group of investors together and you can buy 100 or 200 unit apartment building. And that was like, uh, brain exploded like that. That's another
0: like. epiphany. Yeah, right?
1: so that allowed me to scale. Um, so I learned. Ah. I was taught the like, guy. I, I didn't realize that was a possibility. Scale. And yes. And so from I decided like that. I was like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be a syndicator. I want to bring groups of investors together for for properties. Um, And so we started doing what we were doing with houses, but instead with apartment buildings, just fixing them up and selling them. Instead of in six-month chunks, it was in two to, you know, two, three, four, five-year chunks, Um, Big, getting properties that needed value-add. Now we're doing industrial. We have a mobile home park, RV park.
0: Wait, wait, wait slow down. There's a lot going on here. First of all, I love the fact that you're just so multi-talented and you're willing to try things. You have almost a kind of a child's playfulness that you're, you are you think you can do it, which I find a lot of successful entrepreneurs are like that. They just want to try different things and see what works. They believe in themselves. It seems like your parents did a great job instilling a lot of confidence in you. And so and, and you're, I guess it was, um, actuated by the fact that, you know, you've done well all your life. You got into the schools you wanted to, you could just pick up a book if you want to read something and learn it. And you never, you never thought that you had any barrier like that in place, even when you were going through some really, really tough times, just from what you've told me. Okay. And that now you're, you come out of it, you get into real estate investing, and then you realize the last thing you're talking about is that you're scaling when you're, how did you bring other investors into it? I mean, what was your idea to do that? I mean, it's one thing to have the idea, but another to really, you know, implement it.
1: How did I get investors to to join me? Um, You know, when I was starting, I thought (laughs) that that would be the hardest part. The finding investors (laughs) would be the, the most challenging, but it was, it's actually the easiest because when you have an opportunity that makes sense um, and and the alternative is like, here, I have something that's like 10% cash flow and or you can double your money in five years versus being in a bank account, making 0.25% or even in the crazy stock market. Right, so right, really right. Happy to have an opportunity where their money will grow in real property. So when there was an opportunity that made sense, people are like, yes, like, how do I join? And um, and the, the big shift for me was not in thinking that people were giving me money because people are not giving me money. People were investing in opportunities. So I was offering opportunities for people to have their money actually do something for them um, where they might actually be able to retire and not like um, feel like stuck to a job for the rest of their lives. Um, and so it wasn't about me when I shifted to how can I serve how can I help the per- the people in front of me they were you know people are thrilled for the opportunity
0: that's that's really insightful I mean very deeply insightful because um, a lot of people who are trying to raise and I've had businesses myself and when you're when you're raising capital, there's always this sense that like, you know, it's other people's money, you know, what's going to happen. I, you know, I've got to be very careful with it, et cetera. And you're thinking that you're providing them an opportunity and you totally remove your ego from it, which is like really important and key. Right. Yeah. Um, Did you use to bring on those investors? We, you're, you're already, I mean, for years, you've been very active in social media. Were you using social media or were you using friends of investors or were you using your, coaching of attorneys and bringing the attorneys in.
1: I have not been bringing attorneys in. So I, I stopped that after a while. But um, what I did do, and I, I, one of the things I'd learned, if you're going to syndicate, it's a lot easier if you know you want to build a brand and build a network.
0: Ah. So
1: I can go after investors, but it's a lot easier if I attract, right? Ah. So they come. Well so right now, I don't go after any investors. People come to me. They, they go, can I be on your list? Can I, can I talk, you know, can I have access to your opportunities that I don't, I don't chase after investors. Um, And I created a brand. So when I went to my first seminar um, where I was learning how to do this and I, and then it was like a Friday and Saturday. And then the Sunday morning I was at the hotel gym and I was thinking back upon what I'd learned over that weekend. And I kept hearing "build your brand, build your network." Who do you want to work with? And I was on this elliptical machine, and I was thinking back in that room where there were 120 people or so in there, maybe eight women. Ah, there were no women in that room, and I had, you know, after that, I I joined this high end mastermind that they're putting on to, you know, to learn. I I believe in mentorship, and there were 19 people in the mastermind one woman, me. Um, And, and so I, I was, you know, as I was on this elliptical, I went, there are no women in this room. I want, you know, in, in between working with the lawyers, I actually transitioned to working with women. Um, I became a money coach for women, abundance coach Mm -hmm. for women. And so I was already working with women around abundance. I was like, this is how, like, this is the best way to build wealth in this, this country that I can, I can see in this world, like for millennia, the way people have built wealth is through um, buying um, buy, or through having real estate, transferring it, uh, 90% of millionaires become so through real estate. So you know, uh, I just
0: want to put a flag on what you just said, 90% of, of millionaires get make their money through real estate and because cuz we live in a world where you know from regular media you're always saying you know buy this stock or buy that stock people don't realize the incredible value of real estate and even yes. you know it was eye opening for me that you know the founder of McDonald's made his money through real estate you know yes,
1: it's not about burgers <laughs> it's just it's amazing
0: <laughs> yeah. that um you know the power of it and it doesn't get enough i think press coverage just because you can't have someone like, you know, CNBC who's just talking about, you know, it's going up and going down, et cetera. It's much more of a long-term play. But the people that do it and they make millions from it and they they love it. And a lot of times, you know, frankly, most people, their biggest investment is their own home. Yeah. So I mean, let's say that. By the way, I just want to say one other thing. That's your third epiphany. I'm counting epiphanies. The third epiphany was that you were the only lady. Well, you were one of nine women or something in that entire room. And then when you joined a mastermind, you were the only lady.
1: Yeah. And I, and I realized, I said, this is, this is how I said, women need to be here. I think this is a real estate is the, in my humble opinion, the, the best vehicle to wealth and women aren't being taught this or we're not, we're not in the room. We're not being called in. And then I did some research. I came home. There was nobody really speaking to women about real estate. Um, I went to, I found this things like commercial real estate women is like a crew event and the, everybody there, they were brokers or agents or, you know, interior design. I was the only investor in the room. I, no, like, where are the, like, who's speaking to women? So I created real estate investor glasses to, to call women in. And to, to to teach them that this is a this is possible for you, and here's how you do it, and here's a supportive community, a sisterhood um, of of women doing the same, where we can support one another. Sort of like my antidote to the old boys network, old boys club. So that right, was right. <laughs> that was what we. Um,
0: it's powerful. Yeah.
1: It was, and there have been there are other groups that have formed since, and I'm thrilled about that because I can't do it all myself. <laughs> um, but I have a mission to help one million women create financial freedom through real estate. And that's my that's the mission of real estate investor goddesses. And, and that's my personal mission. So because I've been reaching out to women, they're coming, they're coming to me and right. going, Yes, I want in. Yes, or I'm a busy, I'm a busy woman. I'd love to be able to invest in your syndication. So I don't have to do the work. But I can um, I can get the value, the tax benefits, the other benefits of being a real estate investor, um, the cash flow, and 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 help me with retirement. So they they raise their hands, they reach out, and that's how I've been. That's mostly how I'm growing the business just putting putting content out, just um, you know, just sharing information, and then and then attracting the people who who feel like they're a match.
0: That's awesome. What, okay, let me ask you, I read something about a secret sauce. Mm -hmm. I I think it's about, uh, the first part of that is intuition and the second is, uh, don't don't tell me. (laughs) Intuition, Uh, pleasure, and sisterhood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tell us about the secret sauce. The
1: goddess secret sauce. (laughs) The goddess's secret sauce. So here's here's the thing. and so, I, you know, when I, I talk about my program, it's not that I don't like, love men. <laughs> I do. I and my, my, my main baseless partner is my husband. So it's not yeah, against
0: men. Yeah, it's
1: not an anti-man thing. I love men. I think men are wonderful. Um, I'm just recognizing that men and women, though, are different. We right, have, so right, right. you know, like it's not just on a chromosomal level. <laughs> it's like our our brain wiring is different. Our our, our hormones right, right, are right, right. different. We're different, and so there are certain ways in which. But even though we're different, we're all mostly taught to operate in the masculine way, um, which is not very healthy for women, and it's not very productive for women. So a a very masculine way is to man up, to muscle through, no pain, no gain, right. right? Like that's very <laughs> masculine. Women don't do, very, we don't do well that way, we get fried. So for us, we don't, we shouldn't muscle through, we pleasure through, um, so it's tapping into pleasure. We're also, there's a reason they talk, everyone has intuition, but there's a reason they talk about women's intuition. Our, our um, right and left sides of our brains have uh, more connection than the men, men's do. Okay. <laughs> and, um that that those connections allow us to be even more intuitive more sensitive to what is happening around and we're receiving information on an intuitive level that might not be logical um and but we're not taught to tap into that we're not taught really to trust it but that is a more of a feminine way of being so that intuition also sisterhood we as women so the oxytocin is this feel-good hormone, and I guess it gets, re- 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 gets released in our brains when we are breastfeeding, when we're in orgasm, making love, and when we are just in groups of women. And it's like, our brain's like, "Wee, it's good for you. Oh, ah, so it's a biological
0: better. thing, this
1: sisterhood. Yes, we learn, <laughs> we learn better, it reduces stress. Um, there, It's like, it, it makes us <laughs> happy and feel good. So all of these things are like biologically, they're important for us. And they make us way more successful if we tap into it and use it. So on, on average, women investors actually have like 30% better results than men. When they're, when they're allowing ourselves to do that. But we are only, even though we're 50% of the population, we're only 30% of investors. So yeah.
0: You know, you know Monique, I've, I've read, uh, there's some studies that show that um, women are better investors than men. Um, for the reason that testosterone tends to put this, let's say, a positive spin on whatever you're investing in. And women don't have that, and which is a reason. I mean, you could look back at the Great Recession, for example. Iceland was going under, and guess what? It was the men who were doing it. And the women took over and bailed them all out. There seems to be more of kind of a realistic... I don't know if this goes along with what you're talking about, but there seems to be a more realistic, not... Uh, colored by testosterone view of investing, which I don't know if you ever heard of that one.
1: (laughs) Well, as women investors, we are, we tend to be slower to take action. So men take a lot of like fast action. Like, yeah, men, a lot
0: of times Um, there's actions, a big part of it.
1: Yeah. They take a, they take more action, which is not taking action. Isn't a bad thing, but it's not always the most sought out. (laughs) Exactly. So a lot like, I heard some crazy things that when the, in the recent downturn, so, you know, right at the beginning of this COVID is a like huge downturn, like 60% of investors took their money out, which is like, no, you know, like, that's you, just, <laughs> that's, 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 then you, you bake in the, the, the downturn <laughs> anyway. So that's a, but that's a lot, that's a more, a man is more likely to do that. So to take more quick action. So women are more likely um, to ask for advice, and ask for help. Um, And um, they're, so they're a little more fearful, but because they're fearful, they take more reasoned, more measured actions. So, and that, you know, and generally, it's not a bad idea to get advice from somebody who knows better than you Um, (laughs) do, Experience, and then, and then take, you know, take a more measured approach. So that's why the female investors tend to be more successful on average.
0: All right. So maybe we get more female investors in real estate and some other areas. That would be good. Plus, they just happen to be the majority of the population. So it wouldn't be a bad thing.
1: Yes. (laughs) And yeah. And even businesses that have females on their boards tend to do much better.
0: Yeah. um,
1: You know, just to have better results in general. So we are half of the population. We make most of the buying decisions in the in the country. That's so a really good always, point. It's always a good idea to have more female feedback. <laughs> but uh, but in the meantime, like I think it's like women, we we don't, we just need to like own things ourselves um, and take control. And it is possible to do so.
0: Did we cover the three things? Sisterhood. Okay. This, so okay. yeah.
1: So there's the pleasure. There's the intuition. The pleasure. Did we get into
0: the pleasure at all?
1: Yeah. So we can't, so uh, I I mentioned this briefly where we're, it's it's like the muscle through is the, is the man, a manly way. Right. So it's like, it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. (laughs) It's like medicine. Right. That, that does not work well for Mm. women. So generally when I find myself banging my head against the wall um, and I'm feeling stuck, I realize I need a pleasure break and I go in, it could be a dance break. It could be, Um, me time, right. With my husband, getting a massage, manicure, pedicure, something. (laughs) And I come back and things open up or the phone call will come or get that idea I needed. And then it's just, and then I can sail through, but there's that, it's really important for women to add pleasure into an experience. Um, even if you have, you can't go away from it like figuring out how can I make this more pleasurable for me um will will greatly assist a woman in being more successful and it and and the the no pain no gain is does not
0: work for us at all yeah there's always a carrot and a stick so the carrot seems to do well with women right
1: (laughs) much better (laughs) much better sticks like when shut us down or the you know and that's why there's the epidemic of like women with in depression and rage and um all these things because there, we're not tapping into our natural um, our natural way of being our natural rhythms and and what what is healthiest for us and what drives us most
0: tremendous are you yeah. um, your activities now like we talked a little bit about real estate investor goddesses right mm-hmm. so are you very active there and is it social media or you know how is that running
1: yeah so it is you um, there's a, there are training programs, there are events. So we were doing live events a lot, but right, right. Um, this year it's become virtual events. Um, we have events, we have training programs and uh, we have a community, an online community. So that's, that's social media, um, books um, and other things, but it, it's, it's the training. It's this community that we are building. Um, and just you know, and having more and more women getting in the game. So that that's what real estate investor goddesses is: um, education, mentorship, and the community sisterhood.
0: And how uh, do you find? How do you find a way to get on to um, become join the list? Or are you on Facebook? You're on Facebook, right? I, I am
1: on Facebook. So anybody who wants to find me, REI goddesses is where to go. So we are at. To, you know goddessescom i'm also at goddesses on instagram on facebook twitter i don't really tweet much but <laughs> i actually have a i have a social media manager and she she does the most of my social media ah but some stuff on there yeah i don't i don't have time <laughs> to do all that <laughs> so if it if it looks impressive then that's thanks to cassie right. um, <laughs>
0: are 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 you yourself like um i know you started as a lawyer, so you're probably very comfortable speaking with people. And But when did you get comfortable, like, talking to a big group and doing public speaking? Because I think that's another really important thing for entrepreneurs to, you know, get some practice in. So they're comfortable being in front of a group of investors or whoever else it is that, that will listen to them, you know?
1: Yes. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I I met your wife in high school.
0: And yes. When I was, I was... <laughs> Full disclosure. They're both <laughs>
1: yeah we have a long history my wife Mary <laughs> so um in high school I've I've always I'm a happy nerd I'm a, I'm a I'm a proud nerd but in high school I was in a lot of extracurriculars and one of them was I was in Toastmasters there was a oh. uh, there was a we were our high school's right next to the Marriott headquarters and the Marriott at Marriott they had a Toastmasters and I think me me and one other student from the high school attended Toastmasters meetings. So right. that's when I first started to learn how to speak um, in public. And I did that because like I said, proud nerd. I did that. <laughs> I did things like that for fun. Um, and I was like, I'm a 16 year old. I'm gonna go to Toastmasters with a bunch of corporate, like you know, middle-aged people. <laughs> and I was like, sure, I'll do that. um, and then I I did debate um in college and law school or sorry, college um I think I might even start in high school but I did debate and then I've done speaking courses and trainings throughout the years as well to improve on my speaking skills it isn't does it
0: when uh, when you're in front of a big group that first moment do you get nervous or is it that it doesn't even occur to you
1: I, I don't get much stage fright, especially when I'm That's prepared. Cool. <laughs> so I, I, try, I do try to be prepared and um, create, speak and you know, have things that are engaging and informative. And I, I really, what helps me is focusing not on me, but on the people that I'm speaking to. So I, I go with the intention, with the prayer that I'm going to share something that's going to speak to the people in the room. That's going to that really help them, um, in some, in some way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I literally go it's like, please like speak through me and allow me to say something that's going to most benefit the people in this room. And so I show up just with that intention to, to serve and that. And so it's not, when it's not about me and what they're thinking about me, <laughs> <So> that's what <laughs> I think it scares people. Um, when I can just make it about them and it's the same with like the asking for money or not asking for money, but like, like having these opportunities, again, it's not about me. It's what's, what can, how can this be, how can this help the person that I'm speaking to or, you know, getting people into my, um, training programs. Again, if it's, it's like, will this help, will this help this woman? Um, will this be a, a beneficial thing for her? And if so, then great. I'm like come come on in. and if not, then great. like how how else can where else can I direct you to that will help you? So because it's when I can focus, like shift my focus outward and try to just serve, then I then I don't get nervous. Then I'm not um, yeah, then I, I don't I don't care what they're thinking about me or what it is I'm just trying to serve.
0: You know, Monique, I think that'll be my biggest takeaway from this um, discussion that we're having together, because um, I think it's a really powerful message. And I know we're, you know, we're both big Tony Robbins fans and everything. We're giving him credit because I know he and, and a lot of others are talking a lot about gratitude being, you know, just a, such an important part of, you know, who you are as an entrepreneur and the fact that if you're grateful that you cannot be fearful at the same time, right? But yeah. what you're, the spin that you're putting on it right now has a lot of meaning for me because if you're, it makes me feel like, you know, it's not about me. You go outside your ego and you put the focus on the people that you're going to help. And I think that it creates a genuineness, you know, when, whether you're speaking publicly or you're raising funds for an investment, yeah. people can see through. And I think that's a huge part of, you know, a, a good successful entrepreneurship. And I really... Honestly, I haven't heard anybody put it that way. But I, I, I really, I really love it. I mean, it's it's gonna be imprinted. You know? <laughs> Good.
1: <laughs> that, well, that's what I've I've found. Um, then that if I can just show up with a servant heart, and this is something I had, Tony, Tony Robbins talks a lot about as well. And and I learned that um I had that very much imprinted in me in a sales training I did. Um, that sales was not about me. It was about offering something to somebody else that that is a benefit to them and if it's not a fit it's not a fit but it's really it's like never it's never about me
0: but and you know, all of that has speaking that's game powerful. Changing.
1: yeah but with everything i do i i try to show up that way um and it's like how can i you know what just like i i literally i pray like just work through me um so that i might do
0: thy will. Well, I'll tell you, Monique, um, that's, it's a really great message. I haven't heard anybody talk about that with something like, you know, speaking publicly, because, you know, it's just a lot of people, I think, majority of people have more fear of that than dying, you know, it's- and if you're, <laughs> you know, speak publicly, and you're thinking that, you know, I'm really here to help these people and everything, it's just going to calm things down. And, you know, maybe a lot of other important things you want to do in your life, you will be able to, to do it. And yeah. I think that that gratitude you're talking about that really um, moved me t- to do this podcast because I just want to give back to entrepreneurs, regardless of what age, you know, a lot of people enter after their first or second career, et cetera. And I've been very, very fortunate myself. So I just I thought that would be a, a great way. You know, it it's a good motivation for me to do it. Um. I don't know if it comes across, but, and and I've heard people say, okay, podcasts, some of them are usually successful, some aren't, et cetera, but it still gives me a lot of, uh, you know, good feelings in in doing it. So I really appreciate you being on our new podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. Um, And I, I can tell that this is, you know, a labor of love.
0: Thank you, Monique. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, Before I let you go one more time, could you just mention how people can get a hold of you?
1: Sure. Go find me at reigoddesses, that's plural, um, dot com, or um, at reigoddesses on Instagram, Facebook. All all the places.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Monique. That's awesome. We'll get a hold of you.